About a swinging bird not far from the gate Run by a cat by the name of Will And everyone calls him Will the Thrill Now this cat Will is a beatnik king With a leopard fez and a diamond ring and a tiki goddess with looks to kill. Zanyam will thrill. Monsters all abound. You catch them drinking side by side by a tiki goddess with emerald eyes. I can't claim I've read all the book. That's a pretty pretty fun read. I like your style. Has anyone bottom-lined your style before? Because I'm going to try to do that. Well, I call it existential pulp. They're all different. This is a hell of a place to just jump in, though. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but uh, um, on, on the other hand, it's kind of a uh, it's kind of a distillation of a lot of my themes and obsessions, anyway. From you know outre vintage pulp uh, pop culture to uh, just the general theme of loneliness which pervades all my work going back 40 years. Oh, I, used wow. to, I used to be quite a lonely guy. I was on my own when I was age 16 and working crappy jobs. And, you know, I was a bus boy, a, a blood bank delivery driver. Uh, you know, I was all kinds of jobs. I worked my way up gradually to dog walker, which is what I'm doing now. <laughs> But all the way I've been writing as a response to my life circumstances, but I'm no longer lonely. You know, I've been happily married for almost 20 years to Monica, the tiki goddess. Right. Which, uh, she's known in Thrillville. But I, the loneliness resonates, and I, I remember the feeling, and I see how it impacts people around the world across all cultures and generations and lifestyles and occupations. And you know we're in a we're in a planet that's overpopulated, and yet so many people just feel feel totally alone. And I, just, I think that's a that's a universal aspect of the human condition, and uh, it's always plagued me and perplexed me, and it just permeates everything I I do as a writer. So, but but I'm not like I said, it's I I'm not lonely. 
uh, really. I do feel isolated sometimes from humanity, uh, largely by choice. (laughs) (laughs) And you kind of get that in Vic Valentine's Space Cadet, which is kind of a celebration of solitude, while it's also a uh, kind of a mournful study of loneliness as well so it's a it's a weird conundrum it's like you know a a loner who doesn't want to be alone yeah well i think it's pretty common uh, human condition and uh i'm assuming space cadets uh got the dual meaning of uh somebody who might be a little bit spacey and is maybe introverted and thinking about uh their own situation in life and as well it's definitely definitely it's not i mean it like you as you can see, it, it employs a lot of retro sci-fi tropes, but it's more about inner exploration than outer exploration. Uh, I, I, a lot of my stuff is purposely ambiguous, so it's up to interpretation by the reader. And um, so I, I, I'm happy with any way you want to see it, however, however you feel it. Um, but like I said, the underlying themes, I think, are, are universally uh, relatable. And then everything on top is just uh, is subjective and uh, and very personal for me, especially a lot of my references, which most people probably don't get. But I think that adds to the just to the strangeness of it, like almost like Vix, he's thinking out loud and in, in his own language, uh, in his own little world. And this is a culmination of a three volume uh, subset in the Vic Valentine series. I call the Mental Case Files, which are preceded by. Vic Valentine, International Man of Misery, and Vic Valentine, Lounge Lizard for Hire. And in, in these three books, he gradually loses touch with reality and has what could be a psychotic break. It could be the result of exposure to mutated opioids uh, that were injected into his system when he went down to Costa Rica and encountered what appeared to be zombies. <laughs> and uh, and, and uh, uh, led by this corporate magnet who wanted to take over the world by kind of but infusing the, these mutated opio- opioids into the food system of the planet so he could mind control them. That's my most Bondian plot. <laughs> and, and even though it sounds epic, uh, my stuff is really pretty intimate. I don't really paint on a broad canvas. I mean, it's, it's very finely detailed, and I, I'm not really into, like, epic stuff like Game of Thrones or Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. I, I like the very personal, noir type of stories. So it, it, it's in that kind of a fantastical framework, but Vic Valentine is always the same. I mean, he started out as just a private eye, I, a, a very bad private eye. <laughs> Basically, he's a private eye because he couldn't figure out what else to do with his life, and this was something he saw in an old movie, so he said, I'll just be a private eye. And But it became gradually um, the mystery that he was most focused on was the, his own existence. So he, you know, he, he got tired of missing persons cases and whatnot. And really just, he felt like he was his own missing persons case. And so Vic Valentine's basically that is pretty much the uh, culmination of that journey. Uh, and the, the one I'm working on now is, is a series of 14 vignettes covering his entire life, spanning his entire career, as it were, with only one of them taking place after Space Cadet. So this one is more back to basics and not as outre. So, uh, like I said, that's a strange place to jump in. But at the same, <laughs> at the same time, 
you know the 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 blend of of emotions and sex and uh, monsters and and then just kind of down and dirty Bukowski type <laughs> you know episodes set in little rooms and 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 bars and and stuff is very much me. It's very much Throwville. Tell me about Bukowski type. That one I'm not familiar with. Charles Bukowski. Uh, he's actually one of my favorite writers. I mean, he was a poet, and uh, he, he he had five novels published. The last one was called Pulp, actually, about a detective. I think five or six. Most of them like uh, Post Office and Women, and they featured uh, his fictional doppelganger, who was basically himself, Charles um um, what's his name? Uh, Henry Chernasky. And uh, famously played by Mickey Rourke in the film Barfly, which was written by Bukowski and, and based on a bunch of his stories. And and actually, Matt Dillon did a great job uh, playing him in a factotum. So all of his, his fiction is autobiographical. And he was inspired by another writer named John Fonte, whose most famous novel was Ask the Dust, uh, which came out in the 30s and was made to a film a few years ago with Selma Hayek, and oh, I, I can't think of his name, but he was great in it. Um, <laughs> so, um, um, but their stories are very uh, slice of life, gritty realism about struggling authors. So they're autobiographical, but just the the things they're they're dealing with, just you know, basic survival is something most people can relate to that touches me because you know i'm in my 50s and i you know i'm doing okay but you know i i my my none of my major dreams from my youth have, have really happened i've come close christian slater wanted to make uh, a movie of the first vic valentine story uh, novel uh, love stories of two violent for me and he, he worked on that for like 14 years um but that's a whole other drama we can talk about that later i think you asked me one of the questions was the worst thing that ever happened to me or something so we can get we can get to that later but anyway but like the first book was when i when i envisioned vic valentine he was like a combination of like uh, raymond chandler's philip marlowe and jd salinger's uh holden caulfield and um and i i was reading a lot of crime books at the time i'd written i read all the literary guys you know and, and guys like kurt vonnegut and john irving and s scott fitzgerald and everybody and then i i got into guys like jim thompson and david goodis uh their their works were were from the 50s were republished by this company in berkeley called black lizard published by uh barry gifford who went on to write wild at heart which became a david lynch film and david lynch is a huge influence on me as well at the time in the early 90s i was 30 and i was being courted by this big time editor named judith regan uh, she worked at Simon & Schuster. I interviewed this author, Wally Lamb, who wrote a novel called She's Come Undone, and he recommended my work to her, and she called me up, and she kept me on the line for like two years, and I thought my ship had come in, and I started writing uh, Vic Valentine, and it, it all came from the title, uh, Love Stories of Two Violent For Me, which, which was just a line I tossed off in a conversation with my father. He was asking me uh, uh, about my latest you know, uh, lovelorn <laughs> misadventure. And I, I said, I don't want to talk about it. Love stories are too violent for me. And he said, boom, that's your next title. So it was, and, and from there, I created Vic Valentine and then Vic Valentine, and I wrote four sequels successively while Judith Regan was keeping me on the line. And then she unceremoniously 
worked out to me. Uh, she moved on and started her own imprint, and then she went on and uh, got involved with. Um, uh, God, my mind's a blank. I can't remember any famous people anymore. Uh, <laughs> anyway, she went on to become her own celebrity publisher. She also, she also, I think her, she kind of like hit a wall when she tried. She wanted to publish uh, O.J. Simpson's memoir, uh-huh. um, Howard Stern. That's that's. Oh, who. Okay. So anyway, but anyway, so she kind of went on and did her own thing, and she became famous in her own right. And I just I, anyway, so that didn't work out. But I had this series of novels, and then uh, I Thrillville comes in is that. Uh, these two friends of mine started a small press called Wild Card Press in 1995 in San Francisco, and they wanted to publish love stories of Two Violet for me. So they did, and uh, then they immediately they start they opened a movie theater in Oakland called uh, they reopened an old theater called the Parkway, this old movie palace, and renovated it and installed couches and furniture and and it was the first theater in California to serve uh, beer and wine and pizza and food. And they asked me to become the programmer because I was their, the, the film buff that they know. Oh. And they also asked me to create a live show where I would host some old movies. So originally it was called the Midnight Lounge because it was Saturdays at midnight. And it was kind of sparsely attended because of the time of day in the neighborhood it was a little sketchy and it was new. And I was showing old 50s, 60s, monster, biker, nudie, kind of films, exploitation films, which I like. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, actually, my very first film was Blue Velvet. Uh, but then I, you know, I, so I just saw cult movies, and I, at the time, I was kind of married. Uh, <laughs> I married, I was working at a video store, and I married one of the customers in the comedy section, but she was bipolar, and she was she was an AA, and I, it didn't work out. <laughs> so I, I was on my own, and I was, they had this big carnival wheel, so I was pulling women out of the audience to spin the wheel i wasn't pulling them i asked them <laughs> requesting them to spin the wheel and they get a prize and then one of them one night was monica so she showed up and i was showing jailhouse rock may 31st 1997 and she showed me this tattoo she had on her on her lower flank uh of a navajo symbol that said elvis inside so i said wow mm-hmm. so she she stuck in my mind and then i ran into her months later when i was hosting an elvis birthday party at a local bar and she remembered me and then she she became my lovely assistant and my wife so she got both parts she didn't even know she was auditioning <laughs> so anyway but so thrillville kind of you know they asked me to do it to kind of promote the book they published but thrillville as I re- rechristened it when it moved to prime time later, took on a life of its own and had its own following. The book kind of got forgotten until Christian Slater found it in a bookstore in L.A. in 2001, right before I got right before we got married at uh, Frank Sinatra's old joint, the Caldiva, up in Lake Tahoe, mm. on May 31st, 2001, uh, exactly four years later. So I, you know, again, I thought my ship had come in and, you know, that went on for years. And I didn't really write fiction during this time when I was, quote, will the thrill. And eventually the show grew and I wore a fez hat and a smoking jacket. Nice. And I, I brought like live bands like Rockabilly and Lounge and Surf and, and Monica Spun the Wheel, the Tiki Goddess and, and cele- you know, celebrity guests. Uh, well, celebrities in my circles like Ray Dennis Steckler and. You know, B movie filmmakers like that, and uh, and uh, women from Russ Meyer movies and stuff. 
so I didn't, I did, you know, I was freelance writing. I was writing about movies for magazines like Film Facts and Utre and, and uh, Thrillville got a lot of local press and I became like a local personality. But I wasn't creatively satisfied. And, you know, the, the theaters crashed and burned like around 2009. There was two of them by then. And I took Thrillville on the road. But it just it wasn't the same. I hosted a movie night at a tiki bar I was working for called Forbidden Island in Alameda, California. Uh, so eventually I got back into writing. And I, I, I was writing a book called A Mermaid Drowns in the Midnight Lounge. I'd started it right before Thrillville took off. And it was just kind of a little noir story. I, was, I, didn't show, I wasn't sure where it was going, kind of inspired by my first failed marriage. But then I picked it up again, and by this point, I, you know, I'd hosted hundreds of driving grindhouse movies with all these burlesque groups, and my mind was completely warped. Uh, well, <laughs> it always was warped, but it had manifested outwardly in, into the public, so that's defined my persona. <laughs> so I picked it up again, and it took, the, it took all these left turns into this really bizarre territory, and it's still my favorite of my works. It's just this weird mix of, you were mentioned Slipstream, of of these this couple going in and out of these alternate dimensions and realities, with you know monsters and zombies and gangsters and and theremin and uh, tiki bars and just Thrillville basically. Mm-hmm. And this is when I started writing what I guess is called Slipstream. I didn't realize, I didn't know that term at the time. This is 2010, and I was you know I was, yeah, I'd lost my career as a film programmer and I was looking for a job and I just started writing and went back and I. I decided to start self-publishing, so I went through Lulu and I published this one and this my first novel I wrote when I was 19 called Chumpy Walnut about a guy only a foot tall and he he lives in this kind of Damon Runyon fantasia kind of like a 1940s nightclub gangster kind of um, world and and I, I was I illustrated it with these kind of James Thurber type drawings because I originally wanted to be a cartoonist but I I like writing more. If you enjoy listening to Sci-Fi Thoughts, but find it difficult to remember to check the website for new shows, get this technology from the future. Install into your phone a podcast player. Using this, you can subscribe to our podcast feed. And next thing you know, you'll be cruising around in your car with your phone plugged in playing sci-fi thoughts or you'll be out there jogging or you'll be doing whatever you want to do and have your ears plugged into some cool science fiction programming you can find instructions on lancerkind.com Crack open that podcast player and check out the show notes. There'll be references to Bukowski and Thrillville.net. And there's a link to a full-length documentary called The Thrill is Gone. So open up that podcast player and tap, tap, tap on the show notes. Or go back to the webpage where you downloaded the episode. Next episode, we hear more from Will the Thrill, the Harrow. And then 2012, Christian Slater sent me an email wanting to fly me out to Miami to work on the screenplay with him of Love Stories Too Violent for Me. And 